to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this sermon by Pastor Terry Riley titled, Building Your Life on the Word, from the series, 40 Days in the Word. For more info, please visit creekside.org. Take your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1, so I don't waste any time. I have a lot to cover this morning, and uh, while you're turning to James chapter 1, let me also invite you to uh, take your programs. Can you multitask just a little bit? Um, uh, a couple of things. If you weren't here last week and you served in the crab feed, it was wonderful. You did an incredible job. Thank you. I, I so appreciate uh, that. Dinner tickets for the auction are now on sale, which will be coming in May. Um, uh, today, uh, actually, next we're, we're doing an introduction today, and then next week we want fully launch into... Uh, 40 Days in the Word. We'll be using resources from Pastor Rick Warren and Saddleback Churches in service as well as um, uh, in small groups and everything. And I'll kind of walk you quickly through that here uh, in just a few minutes as I begin my talk. But uh, we have these books that are for sale and uh, they're $10 and we encourage you to purchase them. Now, here's the deal. If, if purchasing something like this uh, kind of tweaks you a little bit, we'll give it to you. Or if uh, um, if, you, if, if it's just a difficult time financially, resource-wise in this season of your life, uh, we'll give it to you. But we don't, we don't want anyone to not have it uh, because of whatever reason. So uh, those will be available after service. Yes, Chris. Yes. Uh, you mean to bring the book with you? If you, you need to buy a book and bring it with you. Yeah. Be... Well, here's what I would say. Um, um, uh, yes, I would still get one. Okay. Now, you don't have to bring it to church, but th- this will be a resource, as I'll say in a minute, that will help you in a lot of different areas. Um, but everything goes together. And, uh, and if you're not, if you can't for some reason, can't, not won't, if you can't be a part of 40 Days, um, then, you know, I'll still give you one or buy it, whatever. Because I think it's a good resource, Chris. It'll, it'll be helpful. Okay? Any other questions? Might as well take a few here. I, I kind of like that. I feel, like feel like I'm back in the uh, junior high again, you know? <laughs> not, not, I'm not saying it about you guys. I'm just saying I, I, I taught junior high, and they always had questions. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> No, I'm serious. I, I feel like Chris is a great friend. I'm, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, gee whiz. You know, do you know what the law of the hole is? Quit digging. So when you find yourself in a hole, quit digging, okay? Or in my case, quit talking. Um, so I encourage you to get a book. Uh, it's a great resource, and uh, this is going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it because um, as you know, our, our scripture for the year is that we would grow in the grace, the favor, and the knowledge, the understanding. And the only way you can grow in knowledge is through reading and through assessing and through working and walking with Jesus Christ. That we would grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is kind of a, this is kind of a way to really uh, launch us into that. So I encourage you to be part of that and get the book. Um, we have our... Uh, Martina State of the City Breakfast this coming Tuesday, where we get the privilege of hosting it. Would you just pray for that? 
Um, we don't do anything real spiritual in it except that we open our campus and we pray toward it that somehow as people come on this campus, they would sense the presence of God. And that's because of people like you that come and serve and help and greet. And then just the ambiance of the way that we serve and Creekside does that so well. Let's pray. Jesus, um, uh, more than ever, we need your presence. It's here. We understand that. But Lord, it's, it's, it's another level and step that we would embrace it and walk in it. We're so busy. So many things take place in our lives that, Lord, it's, it, we're, we just kind of have this free-for-all sometimes. So I pray you calm our hearts and refresh our spirits today, Lord, in uh, a lot of information. But, Lord, I pray you would make it alive for people and uh, speak to their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, so we're going to do an introduction today, and uh, we're going to start next week in earnest. And our goal is that every person, um, you know, and every one of us is obviously in a different place on our spiritual journey, but um, that we will learn to, uh, we will love the Word, learn the Word, and we will live out the Word in our personal lives um, during those days. Um, we haven't done a spiritual growth campaign here for about seven years, and I kind of want to get back to that to engage in them for a couple of reasons. Number one, to really get people involved in small groups, uh, but also to grow specifically and focus on an area of spiritual growth. Now, this campaign is going to be built around four things. The Sunday talk component, the small group component, there's a daily devotional component, and then there's a scripture memory component. And all of, some of you are already checking out and saying, okay, two out of four, I ain't doing two of them. Here's the deal. I, I just, I know how people think, okay? I know how I think. But especially when it comes to church things, and then all of a sudden, we get challenged sometimes. We can kind of, you know, oh man, I don't want to do that now. But here's the deal. If you bought a pair of shoes, would you buy them without the shoestrings? No, we wouldn't. We would want the whole package. We want the box. We want the shoes. We want the shoehorn. We want the shoe strings. We want the tongue in it. We want everything. And, and here, I want to challenge you, and I don't press people a lot here, okay? But, but I want to press you a little bit. Let this be almost a, a, salesman, a salesmanship as I get. But I want to encourage you to embrace all four for six weeks, because I believe it will ultimately help you. I would not do this if I didn't think it was, first of all, something of the Lord, and secondly, that it was something that would help you individually. So the next six weekends, we're going to look at like some different themes. We're going to look at the foundation of the Bible starting next week. What's, what's the big picture of it? What's the overarching theme? There's 66 books in this Bible, and some of us might think that the last book in the Bible is concordance, you know, and because we don't really understand the book. The last book is Revelation. Um, but I, I want to help us to understand the big picture of it, because if you don't, you'll read part of it. And that's where people get so skewed, is they read the Old Testament and they go, man, God's such a tyrant. And they don't understand what he's doing pointing to the future. And, and, and so I, I want to, and we're not going to probably cover that next week, but you, you've got to understand kind of the, the ebb and flow of what God's doing from the beginning. Um, and then we're going to talk about the illumination of the Bible, uh, my mind to see what I need to see in the Bible. Have you ever read something in the scriptures and you go, 
you've read it five or six times and it doesn't make any sense. And then all of a sudden, one day, there is this illumination. It's like the light goes on and you get it. Have you ever had that happen? Well, I want to help you understand why that happens. Because that's an important concept. It happens to me quite frequently. Um, I, I'm, this isn't, you know, I'm not saying this for any other reason other than I've read the Bible for years now. And, um, and, and there's books that I read, and all of a sudden I read them again, and then I go, wow, thanks, God. That's really a, a, an incredible insight. It's like the Bible. It's like a, a, a passage or a, a verse goes 3D on you. We want to talk about that because that's how God speaks to you a lot of times, and he moves it from simply instruction or education to revelation. Here's the deal. You, you forget education. You never forget revelation. When God drills deep into your soul, you don't forget that. Uh, then we're going to come the fourth week. It's, we're going to talk about interpretation. How do you know what a verse means? People say, well, that's probably your interpretation, as if everybody can have some kind of an interpretation about the Bible. And you know what? The, the more I work with people, the, the, the more I understand they really do. But there are correct ways to interpret the Bible, and there are incorrect when you interpret it the right way, you hear from God. When you interpret it the wrong way, you're part of a cult. Whether it's a big cult group or your own little personal cult. And there's a lot of people that have their own personal cults. And then we're going to talk about the integration of the scriptures. How do I put the Bible into every area of my life at work, at home, family, life, finances? How do I use it to understand my past, my present, and my future? knowing that God is redemptive and that he uses the things of our past really in our present and to help us build a better future. In the final week, we're going to look at application of the Bible. How to use the Bible to make good decisions, things like overcoming temptation, how to get guidance, how to use the word to go somewhere, how to, how to <clears throat> read it and go, okay, God, you can speak to me on what to do in this situation. How do we read the Bible to be able to offer counsel to somebody and advice to a friend and find comfort for yourself? It's always amazing to me. Sometimes people will come into my office. Hey, hey, PT, I want to talk to you about this. You know, somebody said this and they're a Christ follower. And I go, where in the world did they get that, giving you that kind of counsel and wisdom for this situation? Let me just kind of help you here. Uh, it's not what I'm going to say, but it's what God says. So it's going to be a great series. Now, the second element is uh, the 40 days of devotionals that you can access. Um, this is going to take about five minutes a day uh, where you have a little quiet time or devotional time. And uh, you can write this down, but I'll have it in the program next week. It's 40DITW.com, 40, D-I-T-W, 40 Days in the Word, if you just want to remember that, small, small letters, dot com. You can access via email or text a daily devotional. Pastor Rick, as you know, Pastor Rick Warren um, is, is fairly significant and prominent as a pastor in the world. So he has accessed about 40 top teachers and um, 40 just key pastors and great teachers. I'm not one of them. And, uh, uh, but he's accessed about 40 of them so that each day you're going to hear just a really wonderful pastor that... Uh, speaks for about four to five minutes on the Word to encourage you and teach you about the Word. The third element is really an important part. And this is where I really encourage you. And we're trying to have a, a number of different groups. And um, I know like someone like Chris who works a really different schedule. Um, if we need to, I'll, I'll, find, I'll, I'll set up a group. I'll, I'll do a group to get people that have kind of a cattywampus schedule 
to make sure that everybody can be engaged in this. But these small group studies are so important. Uh, Pastor Warren, is he's videotaped some of these studies, and we're going to see them, and then we're going to come, and from some of our work in our workbooks, we're going to share and discuss and work together on them. We're going to learn ways to meditate on Scripture. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, this, robe, this, this, this workbook is really robust. It kind of goes beyond what we're doing here for the six weeks. It includes the studies and the outlines, um, but there's other resources, like 20 verses every Christ follower should learn. This last year, as you've seen in our outline, I've encouraged us to begin to, to memorize the scriptures. When I was in Bible college, they made us do this. When I was in the preacher factory, we had to do it. And I used to go, well, well whatever. I'm so glad that I did now because I can, I can still quote scriptures because I, I had to then. This last year, I started because I want to. I want to get the word of God back into me. And you've heard me say this. If I have one regret with my kids, it's that I didn't set up a program of scripture memorization for them. Because I believe that's part of the reason that I'm here now because I was in second grade, Oregon City Four Square Church. My teacher was Ardella Morris and she made us memorize scripture and it make us, she encouraged us to so that we could get this Bible with our name on it. I did it. Got my first Bible, Terry Riley, a little gold imprint on it. And, but I memorized, and I still remember the main passage that I had to learn, John chapter 1, excuse me, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. For in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have gone and told you so. It was King James. But we're going to do that. They're going to be easy scriptures to memorize. And then this, this, uh, this workbook, it also has small group, group, small group resources. Maybe you've never led a small group and you'd like to find out more how to do it. There's resources in there that teaches you how, how to start one um, and what to do in a small group. And, and we, we go through a process here too, but this would even be more preparation for you. How to find a Bible translation that fits you. Because there's so many translations out, but there's, uh, there are different ones that are much more manageable for some of us. And, uh, you know, and, and, and I brag, and I know the Bible fairly well, but I still don't like King James to read it. I love the Bible, but, but I, I, I love New King James or my, uh, my uh, Holman Christian Standard Version. And there's about four versions that are the closest translations to the, as far as we know, to the actual Bible. But there's also easier translations. I love the Message Bible devotionally. So that, there's that kind of information would be a really help. The last component is the easy-to-remember um, uh, Bible memorization. And, and here's what I'm doing. Here's what my cards look like that I've started off for the first of the year. Hebrews 2.1 and now 2 Peter 3.18. I just put them on this card, and I carry them around with me, and I memorize them. And, you, and, and I'll talk a little bit about this, too, in just a minute. But come up with a system that makes it easy for you to. And I'm going to probably, by the end of the year, I'm hoping everyone our, most everyone in our church will have memorized 30 to 40 Bible verses that tie in to the things that we're studying. Um, so that's, that's the four components. Jesus ended his Sermon on the Mount, his talk on the big hill, the most famous 
sermon in the world and in the Bible telling the story about two guys that they went out and they were called to, they went out to both build a home, but they built on different foundations. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine, that's the word of God, the Bible, and he puts them into practice, and we're going to talk about doing that through these 40 days, is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Because when the storms came, it stood. They both faced the same storms. But he said about the second guy, when the storms came and hit his house, guess what happened? He built on the sand, and it was a cataclysmic fall. So how do we build our lives on the Bible? How do we build on the solid rock of God's Word so that when the storms come, the trials and difficulties that will inevitably come and you'll have to face, how do you handle it? I want to talk to you about that today as a starting point from James chapter 1. So if you go toward the back of your Bible, almost to the end, you'll come to the book of James right after Hebrews and right before the two Peters. I want you to pick it up in verse 19. It says this, my dearly beloved brothers, understand this. He's talking to the Christians now who have been dispersed over the years uh, since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because remember, persecution came and they begin to move out. It was the persecution that began to spread the people out so that the gospel could be spread. So he's talking what they call the dispersia. And he says, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How many understand that is a good verse right there? I have that highlighted. For man's anger never accomplishes God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding ourselves of all moral filth and evil excess, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. I'll finish the passage in just a moment. But I want to talk to you as we begin this series about the importance of God's Word and how do you build your life on a solid ground? How do you build your life on a foundation that won't shift and change through everything that's going on? The first thing you'll notice on your notes there is you've got to receive the Word with your ears. I receive the Bible, the Scriptures with my ears. I hear God's Word speak to me. Romans 10, 17 17 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. What he's saying is, is if you want to build your faith, you simply hear the word of God. When you hear a pastor teach, when you hear somebody on the radio teaching, you're hearing the word of God and your faith is being built. When you hear the word of God, if it is correct, really what you're hearing is the voice of Jesus. Because remember, He is the living Word. He's the expression of God, and when He came, that's what we get. Everything Jesus did is an expression of heaven and the heavenly Father. So note what James says about this in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, underline those, highlight those in your heart, and slow to become angry, for man's anger doesn't bring forth the righteous life of God. Therefore, because of that, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent prevalent and and humbly accept the word that's planted in you. 
And he says, be quick to listen. And that's why that's what they were saying here. That's using my ears. Accept the word. Receive it. The word there, the accept the word in the original language, in the Greek language, it's, it's, it's dekomai, and it's, and it's a hospita- hospitality term that just simply means welcome somebody, welcome something in. It's, it's, here it's saying welcome the word, be hospitable to God's word. And what's that mean? It just means that I'm, I'm wide open to his word and I'm, I'm open. And I have this attitude of acceptance for what God wants to speak to me. See, to get the Bible in your life, to really welcome it, that's the only way that it can become implanted in our word. Planted is, is, a, is, a, is a key phrase because the Bible says that uses a picture, all these metaphors, that this is a seed. It is a seed that gets planted deeply into the soil of our hearts. Jesus taught a parable called the parable of the sower, and Jesus says that the sower went out. Anybody can be a sower, but he says the sower he planted, he threw the seed, picture of the word, and it went in to the ground, and then he gives you four different kinds of soil that the, uh, that the, that the seed went into. Now, some of you are planters, some of you are gardeners, or some of you just understand the concept. You can take the exact same seed and you can plant it at three different locations and what do you get? One location, you'll get these big, ripe, juicy tomatoes. Another one, you'll get these little small ones that look like they're dying on the vine and then you'll plant it somewhere else and what will you get? Nothing. Why is that? What's the problem? Is it the sower? No. Is it the seed? No. It's the soil. And that's what James wants to communicate here, that in our lives it has to do with the soil. To hear God, loved ones, we've got to prepare our heart. If you got up late this morning, and let's say you rushed to church, and then all of a sudden, first service, you have plenty of parking spots. But let's just say you come, and there wasn't enough parking spots, and you're driving around, and you're trying to find a place to park. And as we've had for the last few weeks, it's raining like crazy. And you come in, and there's nobody out there to greet you with an umbrella because you're late. And so you're, you come in, you're frustrated, you're late, and you're wet, and you want to come in, and you want to hear the Word of God. God, I'm ready to hear from you. Uh, God's voice might be a little skewed. You know, you might hear me say something like, and now we've got to love our neighbors, but because of the frame of mind you're in, you're thinking, you know what, I'd just like to kill a couple of them, you know? You see how, that can ha- how our heart can be affected? And we have to prepare the soil of our heart. That's why two people can come in the same service. <laughs> this happened to me last week. This is funny. Two people can come to the same service, and I know this, this is just my reality. But when it's when it, when it said, it's kind of like, oh, great. But, but one of my good friends come up to me and started talking to me. He goes, yeah, by the way, I didn't get anything out of today. I, uh, he said, I, I, let me take that back. He said this. He said, you know, I've been up for all these hours, and I just, I just can't remember anything you said. And I said, okay, thanks. I got to now go two more services. And, um, and then, you know, a couple of other people come up and say, Pastor, thanks so much. That just ministered so greatly to me and blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. You're responsible, really, ultimately for what you get. 
I'm not saying anything about my friend. But, but, but ultimately, here's what I did. You, do you know how many sermons I've heard in my life? I bet I've heard three times more than anybody in this room. Not, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about mine. I'm just talking about other people. So here's the deal. I've been to conferences and conventions, and I've sat through guys that are, and uh, some gals that are just like, I mean, they're like dry and boring. And I used to get really kind of, ugh, I don't like this, and I walk out. I made the decision years ago that I don't care who is speaking, I will get something out of them. Because he says here, faith comes by hearing. And anytime I hear, anytime I'm under the word, I want to make sure that it is planting something in me besides bitterness and boredom. And every one of us loved ones prepare our hearts and we make that same kind of decision. Because you know, most people aren't necessarily really bad teachers. Here's the deal. It comes down to your personality and the personality that you like and the way that it's presented. You know what I mean? Most of you are probably here if you stay past worship because you go, you know, he's all right. I can kind of connect with him. It isn't because I'm a great or a bad. It's just that, 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 that that's our reality. And so you become responsible, friends, for everything that your heart is able to receive. And that's what James is teaching. And he says this, you know what? If you want to have good hearing reception, you need four attitudes. If you really want to hear and receive, remember when televisions had antennas, those rabbit ears? You know, and then and you'd go over there and you would, you know, some of us would put aluminum foil on them. Some of us would move them around. I remember the one when I, that we had had this little knob on it for whatever reason. I don't know because it didn't do anything, but I'd work with it. And you'd have to move it around to get good, good antenna. Thankfully, we don't have to do that anymore. Now it's, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? But to hear God's word and to get good reception, loved ones, the Bible says your heart and your attitude have to be in alignment, in a disposition to be able to receive it. So James here gives us four things. He says, I want you to be quiet. For good reception to hear God speak, you got to be still at some point so that he can instill the word in you. You can't simply just get it on the run all the time. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. I heard this once from Trina. She said, you know what? When you're talking, you're not listening. Well, at least I think that's what she said. I, uh, I, something like that. But, but he, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you're talking, you, you really can't listen. Secondly, he says, you need to be calm. Be slow to anger. Well, why would he talk here about anger when it's talking about the Bible? Well, because you don't hear much when you're angry and upset. We can't hear what's being said or we'll miss what's being communicated that someone's trying to say when we're irritated, angry, uptight, and then trying to figure out what we're going to say next. When emotionally upset, we're likely very defensive and we're always thinking about how to come back. Conversely, when you are emotionally relaxed, you can be quiet, you can be calm, and you can hear what this other person is saying. And, and here's what is so critical. That's why it's the same with the Word of God. Um, that's why I, you know, I, Trina gets up at five in the morning. You know what? Our house is really quiet. 
and then I sleep until 5.45. And then I get up, and then I have my time. I don't do it here because by the time I get here, it's, there's kind of this mock speed that I have to move into, and it's not quiet. But at home, it's quiet. And that's where I can be still so God can instill in me because I'm calm. Third thing he says, you want to be clean. You want to clean the junk out of your trunk. Any sin piled up. If you expect to hear God speak, he says this, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. He's saying before you do the seeding of God's word, you got to do the reading. You got to do the weeding. To plant a garden, you don't go out there and start planting something. What do you got to do? You got to dig out the dirt clods. You got to dig out and take out the rocks. You got to take the bad ground, the weeding out. You got to mulch it. You got you to prepare it. You got to fertilize it. You got to get it ready. And he says two things here to get rid of filth and evil. The word filth in the Greek is riparion, which is the word for, get this, good morning, earwax. You know, that Q-tip stuff. Oh, forget it. Uh, We won't go there. That's kind of gross. But he's saying, you know what? There's emotional and spiritual and mental and ethical earwax that begins to build up in our mind and our senses and our thinking. And he says, it's going to plug the way God sounds. It's going to plug the way, it's going to inhibit the way you can hear God. He says, take care of that. We showed you the Flamingo Bowl uh, video last week of the of the teens playing this flamingo bowl. It's, uh, and I used to do this when I was a youth pastor, and we did it. You know what I like about it? It's, we always did it in January before the Super Bowl because um, the ground was usually soft as it was here and muddy. I love playing in the mud. I love, I love sandlot football in the mud. I couldn't play this year. I'm hoping next year I'll be able to because I just want to grub around with the kids in the mud. Here's the deal. When I used to do that, and I would get really muddy, I would go home, and Trina, as soon as she saw me, she would say, take those clothes off before you even think about coming into this house. I don't want you to bring those filthy, dirty, muddy clothes in my house. That's kind of unreasonable, don't you think? I mean, you know, what's the... Oh, you don't want me to get it on the carpet on your nice floors. You don't want to have to clean up after me. See, God says that to us too, friends. You need to take some of the emotional, spiritual garbage out of your life if you're going to hear from God. Because if your mind, if it's filled with pornography and resentments and bitterness and jealousy and rage, fill in the blank for whatever junk could be in your life, ultimately your hearing is going to get diminished. How do you take out the garbage spiritually? Well, the Bible says it this way, that we confess. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. The word confession comes, again, in the original language, it's a word called a homologeo. Now, homo means one or same. Homogenized milk, it's together, it becomes one, but it means the same. The word legeo means to speak. So what John was saying, he says, here's how you take care of the issues in your life. Here's how you take out the garbage. You say the same thing about your sin or your filth or your evil 
that God says. You don't slant it. You don't skew it. You don't make an excuse for it. You say, when God says, this is wrong, or I don't want you doing this, or I want you to, to live this way, you go, you're right. I'm wrong. I, I want to say the same thing about this that you're saying. That's confession. I get calm. I get quiet. And then I can get clean before the Lord because I'm hearing his word. And then he says, be humble. Humbly accept the word that gets planted in your soul, in your, in your heart now that's been cultivated because you've done these other things. So, the, so he says, be humble. What does it mean to be humble? Well, here's what it means, friends. It means to be ready to receive the word that he speaks to you. If I come with a prideful attitude, it's kind of like this. God, you tell me what you want to do, and then I'll decide whether or not I want to do it. I read, and I hear, and I see, and then I go, eh, I don't know if that really fits my agenda. That's not humility. I recently had what I call, uh, actually someone else called it this, but it's, I had two crucial conversations that were very difficult for me because I had to speak the word of God to somebody's life. And I said, in just a matter of moments, you're going to decide which way this conversation goes. I love you. I care for you. I want the best for you. But when you hear what I say, you're not going to like it. But remember, I am the messenger, not the message. And, and, and really, loved ones, that's what it is for every one of us. What I say may bother you in the morning, but you have to determine, is that God's word or not? And then you've got to be humble enough to say, I'm either going to receive it or I'm going to reject it. And at the points that you reject it will probably be the points that, you're, that you'll be diminished in being able to hear and understand God's word. So let's quickly, I've got to get through this. Let's go to verse chapter, uh, begin, get back to chapter 1, verse 22. It says this. But he says, be, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in the mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, and right away he forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hero but a doer who acts, this person, underline this, will be blessed in what he does. That does not say his life will be perfect. That does not even say his life will be easy. It does say he will be blessed. First thing we got to do is read with our eyes. For God's word, I got to receive it with my eye, ears. I got to hear it, and then I got to read it with my eyes. It's tough to grow, loved ones, um, if you're not reading the scriptures and hearing for yourself. Remember I said last week, I think it was, that by the time you leave here by Tuesday morning, you're going to remember maybe 5% of what I said, and that's probably only if you took notes. God's blessing comes as you read it and gain for yourself. And the Bible says if you do these five things, you're going to be blessed. 
He said, here, listen. He said earlier, listen, but here he says, don't merely listen, but that the man who looks intently, that's one of the ways that we get blessed, and that's by reading the Bible. He continues to say that continue to do this. We don't only read it, but then we review it. And then he says, not forgetting what is heard, that's remembering the Bible. And then he says, but doing it, that's responding to the Bible. And then he says, guess what? Here's what the response will be, is that he'll be blessed in all that he does. And I've seen this to be really true in people's lives over the years. So first, the person who looks intently, what does that mean? He's talking about reading the Bible and reflecting on it. Think about it. Ponder over it. Receive it in your life. Look intently. It says that the person who does this, it's like they're looking in a mirror. And the Bible becomes a mirror to them. And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but everyone, well, well, most of you, you got up this morning and you looked in the mirror. And you made a decision if you went, oh, no need here to do anything. Some of us, we paused, and I, I, you know, I thought about this morning, I thought about coming um, with bedhead and, um, you know, not shaving and not doing anything, but uh, it might be too shocking. Um, so, but, but we got up in this morning to assess the damage from last night and sleeping and, and, and all of that, and we evaluated what needed to be changed before we walked out of the door. And by the way, you all look really pretty good. We had to decide, are we going to run a brush through our hair, a comb through our hair, or maybe just throw a cap on and say, you know what, that's good enough, after we looked in this mirror. Sometimes people ask me things like this because they went to a church that doesn't believe in makeup. And uh, they'll say, Pastor, I just got to know, is sin a makeup? I said, no, it's a gift from God. It, uh, <laughs> some people need makeup. It's kind of like some people need oil of old age. Old age. Uh, you know, we want to take care of ourselves. Uh, sidebar, that, did, did you know the fir- that the, the first Queen Elizabeth during the Shakespearean time, um, as she started looking into the mirror and noticed that she got older and her beauty began to fade, she would have all of the mirrors in Buckingham Palace removed because she didn't want to see her fading beauty. That's sad. But here's the deal. See, God's Word does the same for us. When we get older, we can become more beautiful because of our character being changed and our image being changed into the likeness of Jesus. Now, there's two ways to look in a mirror. You can glance in a mirror or you can gaze in a mirror. If you glance in a mirror, remember the show Happy Days? How many want to date themselves and go, yeah, I remember that. Remember the Fonz? He'd walk by a mirror. Hey! Kind of like some of you did this morning. There's no need. I don't need a comb. I don't need anything. He'd glance at it and just go, perfect. You can't do that with this mirror. You've got to make sure that you're gazing at it. You can't just glance at the mirror of God's Word. You have to spend time in it. You gaze at it. You live for it intently. Look at the details of what he's saying. And during the 40 days, friends, we, 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 we're going to have Bible reading plans that we're going to expose you to even beyond the one that we do as a church because there's a lot of different good ones. And I want to help you find 
your style to systemically read through portions of the Bible. And I don't, I'm not going to set up how much. I've always said I want to encourage you. Because some of us, I don't know, maybe some of you do it this way. You go, you know, I call it the Columbus method. What did Columbus do? He landed and he discovered. So people go, oh, God, just help me today. Open the Bible. Boom. Okay. Oh, wow. (laughs) Have you not brought this upon yourself by abandoning the Lord who will smite you? (laughs) Okay, well, let's go. Let's get out. Let's have a good Monday morning. You know, you know what I mean? If, 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 if you just do that kind of stuff, I mean, it can be really dangerous and it's not good for your soul. And so we want to help you do that. Next thing is, is we've got to relax with our hands. Excuse me, we've got to research with our hands and our mouth. And what I mean by that is, is we research the word with my hands and my mouth. The Bible, that, that's Bible study. There's a difference between Bible reading and Bible study, okay? Bible reading is simply Bible reading, and that's good. But it's not really study unless you're writing down something or typing it out. There's two components to study. First of all, you write it down, and then you talk about it with somebody. That's what I do with you. So that turns reading into study. That's why we believe in small groups. So during this time, if you come and you're doing some notations in your booklet, and you come and you take some notes here on Sunday morning, you're going to listen, you're going to write, you're going to read, and then you're going to talk with the people that you're in your group or on your Wednesday table, and guess what? You're going to learn more, I believe. Jesus said in John 5, 39, he says, you search the scriptures because you believe you have eternal life, but the scriptures all point to me. See, we want to help you, loved ones, see. Most people don't see Jesus throughout the Bible. They think, wow, God got saved, I think, in the in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's not true, but there's this ongoing revelation of Jesus through it pointing to him and what God had to do with and through his people. But see, you can, you can search the Bible and totally miss Jesus, and we want to help you do that. Acts chapter 17, verse 11, Luke talks about a group of people in Berea. It's a little city in Greece, and he said this, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And they listened eagerly to Paul's message. And then it says what? They searched the scriptures day after day to check up on Paul and Silas to see if they were really teaching the truth. Again, they searched. They studied the scriptures. These people listened to Paul preach. And then you know what they did? Get this. They had a small group discussion. And it wasn't to critique the sermon Oh, boy, that was a bad point. Oh, boy, he was boring there. (laughs) It was to say, is this the truth, and what does it mean for our lives? And that's why we want to do groups. That's why we challenge you to engage in a group. Another part is to review and remember with the mind. James 1.25 says, the man who looks intently, which is reading, into the perfect law and continues to do that. That's reviewing God's word, not forgetting what he's heard. That's remembering God's words. He'll be blessed in what he does. Here's the two questions I ask every person when I have to have a crucial or critical conversation with them. Actually, it's three questions. The first one is this. Do you trust me as a person in your pastor? Because if they don't say yes to that one, I won't go to the second two. 
But once they say yes to the first one, then it gives me some liberty with the next two. Do you trust me as a pastor and as your pastor and as a person? Okay, good. I haven't had anybody yet tell me no. But here's the next two questions. I said, do you want God's blessing? Oh, you bet. Do you know what the second question is? Will you do it God's way? That's the crux, because that's what James is talking about here, that we review and we move to doing. We review, we continually do what God is saying. We're pondering and we're thinking about it. We're thinking it over. Why? Because, why do we need to do that? Well, because, you know, have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're greatly tempted, or maybe you're sharing your faith with somebody, telling Christ's story or your story, you're under stress, maybe you're in a bad place and need comfort, a crisis comes. Have you ever noticed there's not always a Bible that's readily available? Probably more so now with our phone, but maybe some of us don't even have a Bible app on it. That's why we got to know it. See, that's what Jesus did. As you study, watch Jesus early in his ministry. He was always quoting the scriptures because he's traveling. He's going from town to town, village to village, and he didn't have, a, he didn't have the scrolls to carry around. So he was always memorizing. He was always reviewing and remembering with his mind. You say, well, man, I got a terrible memory. I can't remember a thing. I'll bet you remember what's important to you. I can, I can quote you players, and, you know, if, if you're a sports fanatic, you can remember somebody's statistics. If you want to make some money, you can probably remember the stock quotes. We can remember who won the Super Bowl in 1967. We can remember all of these different things because, well, they're either ingrained or they're important. But memory, loved ones, is a skill that you can improve and we're going to look at simple ways to do that because it's, your mind is literally a muscle. Why do you think that there's so much information out there now? I read the newspapers, and i got to start doing these, but there's a full page, I think it's on Thursday or Friday, of puzzles and of uh, drills and all of these mind things. Why? Because they say that you can improve your memory and help diminish the, 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 the potential or the quicker onset of dementia and Alzheimer's because this brain is a muscle. And I will guarantee you, if you use the word, it will help you and memorize it. So we're going to have some simple scriptures to start with, and we're going to memorize them. See, the Bible has a word for what I'm talking about, the skill of remembering and reviewing. It's called meditation. And it's simply remembering and reviewing. People get a little bit nervous, a lot of Christians. Oh, meditation. Oh, we're going new age. You know, no, no, no. I'm not going to have you go in the lotus position and, you know, and, and uh, you know, focus on your navel fuzz and go, mmm. We're going to meditate on God's word, which is what Joshua says in 1.8. Do not let this book of the mouth, of the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Why? Because then you'll be prosperous and successful. Friends, God says if we do that, that's part of being prosperous and successful. And our small groups will talk about how to do that. Let me just, think of this. I got to bring this in, I know, but You have two twins, and they're 17. They're going out on Friday. Two twin boys. And you say, be home by midnight. That's your expectation as a parent. One of them rolls in at 11.50, walks in, and 
knocks on your bedroom door and says, hey, mom, dad, I'm home. And you go, wow, son, good to see you. Hope you had a good time. Have a great night's sleep. Huh, the other one. We all know about the other one sometimes, don't we? He rolls in at 2.30. He, not, he tries to sneak in, and you meet him at the door. And you say, son, we're going to talk about this tomorrow morning. Good night. What's the difference? Well, one obeyed, one responded, one responded to what was said. Will that second one be forgiven? Absolutely. Will he still have parents that love him and give grace to him? Sure thing, but there will be consequences uh, of not responding to what the parents said and what he heard. See, is it because parents are mean and restrictive? Not at all. It's determined. See, he's determining now what the parents could and would do for him. And sometimes we get this wrong. We think that the grace of God is just something. The grace of God is simply God's favor upon you. It isn't do what you want and God's happy with it. God wants you to hear his word because he wants you to be successful and he wants you to be prosperous. And I always think about this. How can I communicate this so that, that we, 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 we hear grace correctly, but we also hear truth correctly? Because, see, our responses and choices involve future opportunities or diminished opportunities. We all know that. That's in the Bible. That's a life truth. Here's what I come up with this morning. You don't earn Christ's love and favor, but you do earn responsibility and blessing. And that's what happens in our homes, with our kids, with God. That's why responding becomes so important. And we do that with our actions. That's the last thing. I just very quickly, James 1.22 says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Turn it into actions. Don't deceive yourself. What does it mean to deceive yourself? See, I can tell you all of this stuff, friends, and I've done it for years with people. And I see people fall off the wagon. I see people careen off the, the spiritual roadside. You know why? It's because of this right here. I can talk to you how to build a balanced budget. I can tell you based on scriptures. I can tell you how to be a better husband. I can tell you how to be a better wife. But if you don't move on it, you only deceive yourself. You only believe the parts of the Bible, hear me, that you do. That's why he says, be a doer of the word. Jesus ended his sermon, I talked about at the beginning, with the most famous sermon, the two men that went to build their house. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine puts them into practice. Note that there. Puts them into practice. Translation, they do what he says. They apply the word. They respond to it. Because he's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Because he hears these words, because he didn't hear these words of mine. Here's the deal. One guy built on the rock, one guy built on the sand. All of a sudden, these major rogue winds come, a tsunami of a storm comes. Both of their homes face the flood, the trials, 
and the storms. One stands, one collapses. Hear me. Every one of us here will face storm or storms at some point in our life. Emotional, health, financial, children, whatever it is. If you want to make it, the key will be that you are building on the rock of God's word and you're obeying it. We can search over the world for wisdom and knowledge and secrets of success, but we really don't need to go any further than our bedstand, or for some of us, our phone, and to see the Bible, which is the greatest wisdom that has stood the test of time. It points to one thing. Jesus, the lover of your soul, who gave his life for you to show you how to live in freedom. Colossians says this in chapter 2, verse 3, in him are hidden all the wisdom, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He's the living word. And so when we come, friends, in this next six weeks today, it's not, full, it's not simply about King James. It's about King Jesus in your life.